Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2014 Phoenix Gospel Truth Seminar. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. I, I'm a receiver. I don't care for you to preach till 2 o'clock. <laughs> oh, that was so good. I was really sitting there praying like, go ahead, finish it, finish it, finish the whole book, do it now. Uh, no apology needed. I, I, I got a short sermon anyway. I want to start. I want to start where he left off. I want to. I want to uh, deal with uh, begin in Isaiah chapter 54. I want to talk about the goodness of God because I believe that this upcoming year you're going to experience multiplied goodness. Why? Because you're receiving better. You're expecting more. And um, it's just how God has chosen to deal with his people in these last days. He deals with us where his goodness is concerned. So let's, let's go to Isaiah chapter 54. Man, that was so good. Dear God. Woo. I almost wanted to just, well, you know what? I'm just... Let's just, let's do all, of, let's, let's start at Galatians 1 again. Just do it again. <laughs> just do it again. You know, when you sit and you just hear the word, uh, just coming from, from uh, Brother Andrew, it just, it just ministers to you. He does it with such details. He crosses T's and dots I's. And I, I want to have a conversation right in the middle of him preaching. I said, hey man, let's, let's what about this right here? What, look at that word right there. Translate that, you know? Now, Jamie's not going to let us take Andrew home with him, but you know what? You can take a CD home and you can say, say it again, Andrew. You can say, stop. You can say, and then when, when he gets to those park calling you stupid, you can fast forward it. <laughs> oh, what a blessing, man. What a blessing. He's going over books. I'm looking at Taffy. You got that one? What, you got that one? All right, because I'm thinking whatever we don't get, we're going to order it. And when I get home, you got that one? <laughs> Amen. And was that the, the, the Living Bible? Is that the, the New Living Bible? Commentary? Yeah, I want that one too. <laughs> Amen. Uh, let's begin in Isaiah chapter uh, 54. And I just want to spend some time encouraging you. Thank, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to minister to you. Thank you for, you know, coming and let me have somebody to preach to. I really appreciate it. And uh, Now, and again, uh, and I'm going to say this, Isaiah 54 comes after Isaiah 53. And the reason why I'm mentioning that is because of the prophetic word where he begins to prophesy about the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that every thing that he said here in Isaiah 53, of course, it came to pass, but it continues on in Isaiah 54. And uh, Brother Andrew dealt with that part. I'm going to pick up here at um, verse 7. He says, for a small moment, because you begin to see these things as a recipient of the promises in the new covenant. He says, for a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, underline that, with everlasting kindness, will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. That's a serious statement. He says, I made a promise to you that the earth will never again be flooded by waters. And I put a token of that promise, a rainbow. I put a token of that promise. Uh, and he says, so likewise, I'm also making another promise to you that I will not be angry with you nor will I rebuke you. 
Now, I need you to understand this, that when you go to church and the preacher says to you, you made God mad and, and God's going to be angry with you, I need to let you know God's not mad at you. He's not even in a bad mood. He's not. And this is a promise that you have to receive that God is not angry with you. And when things happen in your life, you know, re religiously, if your mind has been conditioned that way, the first thing you'll think is, what have I done to make God angry with me? Lord, what's going on? Why are you mad at me? And he says, no, I'm not going to be angry with you. He says, neither will I rebuke you for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed. But my kindness, there it is again, shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. This is the God that we're serving under this new covenant. Amen. And then he says, thou afflicted, tossed with temptest, and not uh, comforted. Behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors and lay thy foundations with sapphires. I wish I had time to just teach on those stones and what they mean. He says, and I will make thy windows of, of, of a gate and thy gates of carbuncle and all the borders of thy pleasant stones. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and watch this, and great shall be the peace of thy children. You need to receive that right now. Great is the peace of my children. You know, the Bible says that, uh, that, that the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. And I'm telling you, there comes a time where you just trust God where your children are concerned. You wake up and you say, Father, I thank you that my children, they are enjoying redemption today, Lord. I thank you that the, that peace is over my children. They're, very, they're being taught of the Lord. They're being taught of the Lord. They might not receive some of your teachings, but God knows how to teach them. Amen. And great shall be the peace of your children. You can't be moved by what you see. You can't be moved by what's going on. Great shall be the peace of my children. And when it looks like it's going crazy, you need to just, you just put your mind on this and say, thank you, Lord, you're teaching my children. The great is the peace of my children. I'm the righteousness of God and my seed is delivered. And I thank you that they're enjoying redemption in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And then he goes on. You know, this is, this is so important. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we're just talking about children right now. And, and some people, I don't know, they, they think that living under grace means, you know, compromising, not being responsible and doing certain things. And I, this just really came in my spirit. I want to share this with you. And, you know, sometimes it's all right to let the Lord teach your children and for you to kind of let go. Look at Proverbs 19 and 19. Hold your place there in Isaiah, but I, this is just a little rabbit trail here, I think will bless you. Verse 19 says, a man of great wrath shall suffer punishment for if thou deliver him, yet thou must do it again. <laughs> Verse 19 in the Amplified says, a man of great wrath shall suffer the penalty for if you deliver him from the consequences, he will feel free to cause you to do it again. You know, there comes a time where you're just going to have to sometimes say to the kids, you know, you're not listening to me and and you, you, you know, you want to do your own thing. You know, I trust God where you're concerned, but you know what? You, 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 you go on out there and, um, you know, get that apartment with this job and I told you not to do it. And, and when the consequences happen, you know, I'm going to let you figure this thing out. My daughter called me one time. She said, Daddy, she said, and I, I told her about how to drive and how to do this and do that and so forth. She kept going with it. She said, Daddy, I, I need my back right tire fixed. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to rob you of this wonderful opportunity. <laughs> to perform as an adult and to figure out a way to get the money to get that back tire fixed. And I just want you to know I trust God and I believe you can make that happen. What do you think? She's like, yes, sir. <laughs> That's not a problem if you decide to do that. You're trusting God. And, and most of all, you allow the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide you where that is concerned. Amen? Praise God. Well, go back to Isaiah chapter 54. Praise God. So I says, well, why are you talking to my children? Well, because I got them. And, <laughs> and, and, and I'm not like some of these preachers stand up and say, well, my children are absolutely perfect. No, I th at one time I thought one of my kids was demon possessed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I 
but I trust God and we, we're, I'm, I'm happy to report, praise God, he's, he can turn your child around and he can take your worst day and make it your best day, amen? Praise God. Now, let's look at Isaiah, go back to Isaiah 54. And he says here, verse 14, in righteousness shall thy be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the waster that destroys. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Now notice how this starts off. He says, in righteousness thou shalt be established. See, it's so important, those of us who, we re we've received our righteousness by faith. And, and we're righteous not because of what we've done. We're not righteous by works, but we're righteous by what Jesus has done. And we put our faith in, in what he's, he's accomplished. But he says, not just being the righteousness of God, but being established in that. You know, when I write my name, again, uh, if I go to the beach and write my name in the sand, then, you know, it won't be long before the water comes up and it removes it and you won't even know that my name was written in the sand. But if I write my name in the concrete and will it, where it will dry, you know, it's gonna be there for a little while because it's, it's been established there because of what I wrote my name in. We've got to become established in this righteousness not just, you know, I'm righteous when I feel like it, but I'm established in this righteousness. So whenever the circumstances and situations go on in our life, I'm established in righteousness. I'm established in righteousness, not when everything's going like it's supposed to go. I'm established in righteousness, not only when I'm making all the right decisions, but I'm established in righteousness when I'm not making the right decisions, when things are not going the way they need to go because it's me being established in righteousness that's gonna change those circumstances and situations. And he says, when you are established in righteousness, and this is something you have to begin to renew your mind. And, and renewing the mind is, is not a one-time process. Renewing the mind, it, it's a lifetime process. Re renewing the mind is you exchanging your thoughts and your beliefs and your opinions for what the Word of God has to say. And if you line your thinking up with the Word of God and it's not in line, you don't try to change the Word, you allow the Word to change the way you think. And when you do that, the Bible says, be ye changed, be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, watch this, be changed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. And so it's going to be important that we renew our mind in righteousness so that when the accuser of the brother shows up to try to talk you out of it, that you're, just, you're established in this righteousness. And the Bible says when you're established in righteousness, oppression's not going to be able to come to you. When you're established in righteousness, watch this, fear won't be able to take hold of you. See, you understand something about fear. I just, I just finished a book on fear that's, that's, that, uh, that's coming out in this month. One of the things about fear is that the number one fear that the devil tries to inflict upon believers is the fear that what God promised in his word won't come to pass. That's, that's the number one fear. That I, I, I'm afraid that what God said won't happen. And when you begin to deal with this covenant of grace and you begin to deal with the righteousness of God, you've got to understand that what God said, he means every bit of it. We've got to trust the life of grace and not be afraid that what this life of grace promises, we can't be afraid that it's not gonna to come to pass. In fact, where this is concerned, it's already come to pass. Don't be afraid to trust and to live in the rhythms of grace and know that what God promised, hallelujah, you see in your life because grace has provided everything that you'll, you'll ever need in your life. But we've got to, we cannot allow fear. Fear 
is really fear, like, 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 it, like we need faith in order for God's word to come to pass. Satan needs fear in order for his words to come to pass. And you cannot tolerate fear. When you tolerate fear, you will contaminate faith. You must not, I mean, you don't, you don't tolerate fear for one moment. You don't sit there and say, well, a little bit of, a, a, a small amount of fear is fine. No, it's not. Fear it in any, any amount, you don't want to tolerate it. You want to come against it? I mean, when, as soon as you recognize it. No, God has not given me a spirit of fear, I have, I, but of love and power and a sound mind, and I'm not, I'm not allow you to dwell in and out of my mind. I'm the righteousness of God, and I'm not going to be afraid that I'm the righteousness of God. I am established in this righteousness, and as, as one who's established in righteousness, I'm not going to fear. Fear's not going to come against me. And as far as terror is concerned, I'm not afraid to get on an airplane. You, they can, somebody can stand up and say, hi, la, 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 whatever they want to, but I tell you what, terror shall not come near me. That's a great time to stand up and have an altar call on an airplane. <laughs> Let people know, hey, man, fear's not coming in me. Terror won't happen because I'm on this plane. And what else happens as a result of you being established in righteousness? He says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now, it might be formed, but it won't work. Every tongue that rises up against you, you will condemn. This is your heritage, and his righteousness is of you of God, you know. So now listen to me. He said they surely gonna come together. What? Terror, fear, and oppression. Surely they'll gather together. But God said, but not by me. I'm not the one that's gonna be responsible for it. Don't blame God, no. He says they're gonna gather together, but not by me. And then he mentioned this, I created the Smith that bloweth the coals in fire. You know what God was saying? I created him, I can handle it. I can handle him. Praise God. But now notice how we started off. God has chosen under the new covenant to deal with us differently. How? With his kindness and with his goodness. With his kindness and with his goodness. Now, there's a phrase in, 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 in fact, 1 Corinthians, that irritated me. I kept looking at this phrase, and I'm like, what, what does that mean? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it's the, it's the phrase fear and trembling. I see that phrase here in 1 Corinthians. It's in Philippians chapter 2, the phrase fear and trembling. And I wasn't really satisfied with what I was getting as far as my understanding of that. And, and so, of course, when you're trying to define something, and, and in Bible interpretation, you want to pay attention to content, the context of scripture that it appears, excuse me, and you also want to pay attention to making sure that let the Bible define the Bible. And so I began to just, Lord, help me to understand what do you mean, what are you trying to say when this phrase fear and trembling keeps coming up? I mean, we move into 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I mean, right after he said something so fascinating, in fact, I'll start in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 29. He said that no flesh should glory in his presence. Your self-performance is not going to glory in the presence of God. You know, your efforts and self-efforts are not going to glory in the presence of God. You know, when the Bible talks about Abraham in Romans chapter 4, he says if he was saved by works, then he, he has no, he, 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 he won't go before God and, and, and glory before the Lord. No, that, that's not, he didn't, he didn't get his righteousness by works. His righteousness was by faith. But he goes on here and he says, verse 30, he says, but of him are you in Christ Jesus. Say out loud, I'm in Christ Jesus. Who of God, who of God is made unto us he has been made unto us and for us, watch this, wisdom. He's been made righteousness. He's been made sanctification and holiness. He's been made redemption. 
that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And as I begin to read that, I'm like, man, that's exciting that I'm in him and Jesus has been made for me. I mean, I've received Jesus and God is for me. How I many you know God is for you? Amen. Say this out loud. God, God is, for me. is for me. God is, God is for, me. for me. God is for me. God is for me. How many believe God is for you? <laughs> he is for you. He is for you. And when you receive Jesus, you freely receive all other things. All right, now watch this. So I'm excited about that. So he goes into chapter two, and I, brethren, when I came to you, he, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not so, not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Boy, that's powerful. Paul didn't, Paul didn't show up, you know, with, with this arrogance of what he knew. He said, man, I, I didn't come to you out of my own effort and out of my own self, man. He says, what I do know is about this Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And look at verse three. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and, and in much trembling. Now, the Amplified, it really got me. He says, and, and I was in past into a state of weakness and fear and dread and great trembling after I had come among you. Now, if you're not careful, you'll, you'll see this negatively. And you'll, if you're not careful in, in, in seeing what's going on here, you'll, you'll automatically con conclude that, you know, Paul showed up amongst them in the midst of bad times. But this is sandwiched with a whole lot of great wonderful, reverential things that are going on. Go to, go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, You've always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation, here it is again, with fear and trembling. Look at verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. There it is again, fear and trembling. So let's find out what, what this fear and trembling is all about. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 33. I want to declare some things over your life this morning. Jeremiah 33. And let's look at verse 7. And I'm going to read verse 7 through, through 9. He says, and I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as at the first. Verse eight. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity whereby they have sinned against me and I will pardon all of their iniquities whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. Verse nine. And it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. Notice fear and trembling in the same light of goodness and prosperity. Look at the Amplified of verse 9. That they, the fear and trembling came as a result of the goodness and the prosperity. Now the Amplified says this. He says, 
and Jerusalem shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, a glory before all nations of the earth that I hear of all the good that I do for it. And they shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the peace and all the prosperity and all the security and all the stability I provide for it. You know, one of, one of the, the words here, as we look at fear and trembling, notice what's happening here. Because of all the good and all the prosperity, there's a reverence that's taking place. There's, a, there's an awe that's taking place uh, because of the overwhelming goodness. I mean, in, in today's vernacular, I would say, you know, God did something and it, it, it blew your mind. You were in such awe. You, you understand what I mean when you're in, when you're in awe of, 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 of what God is, has done? Listen to me carefully. Here's what I believe. This coming year, the goodness and prosperity of God is going to be to such a point in your life that's going to cause you to be in awe of what he's done. With all of the persecution that some of you have gone through, and all of the deserts that some of you have gone through and come out of, I'm telling you the goodness of God is getting ready to show up in your household. It's getting ready to show up in your life. It's getting ready to show up in your ministry. And I believe you're gonna be in awe. It's gonna bring you to fear and trembling of the goodness of God. All right, well, why do you think, why do you think maybe why do you think maybe we're, we're, we're going to be in a position to receive goodness like never before? Well, you got to understand how God uses goodness. What does he plan on doing with goodness? I believe it's Romans uh, 2 and 4 that he, he, he says that it's the goodness of God that will bring a man to repentance. It's not punishment that's going to cause people to, re to repent. It's not putting fear into people that's going to cause them to repent. It's not even trying to control people when they come to church that's going to cause them to repent. No, those things are not going to cause them to repent. See, there was a time where maybe fear got you some results and you told people, you know, if they don't come to church, then, you know, God's not going to bless them. And it, 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 there may be some results you got out of it. But what happened, people just got tired of that and they just figured, well, fine, I just won't come to church. I just won't have anything to do with it. In fact, I feel better staying home than coming there and let you beat me up all the time. So I'm going to just stay home and smoke weed. <laughs> but you know what I believe is going to begin to draw people back to church is when they come to church and hear about the goodness of God. Hey. And hear about the goodness of God, God being good, not because they're good, but God being good because God is good. And you know you don't deserve it. And you know you hadn't been good enough to get this. And you know you hadn't earned it. And then God shows up and does something good in your life anyway. I tell you, that'll change the way you think. That'll change your mind. That'll change your life. It'll cause you to repent. But we just hadn't heard enough about the goodness of God. I, I, I know this is a simple message. Sometimes it, 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 sometimes it concerns me that there are some people, I'm more concerned that the message is so simple you don't get it. We're not trying to be complicated here this weekend. We just want you to understand that God is no longer dealing, God's not using, God's not punishing you, ladies and gentlemen. Once you got born again, let me tell you, your sins have been taken care of, past, present. Now here's this, here's where they have a problem, and future. I mean, I heard a guy the other day, well, I'll tell you one thing, I don't have a problem with the past sin. Praise God. I believe the blood's taken care of all of our sins in the past. And I believe that God will take care of, you know, whatever sin we'll do today. You know, once you get home and figure out what you did. <laughs> oh, but Brother Dollar, oh, I got a problem with the future sin. If you go out and tell people that God's forgiven them of their future sins, then they're going to sin no more. It's just going to go crazy. 
Well, think about it. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, shed his blood for our sins, for the forgiveness of our sins, all of our sins were in the future tense. When Jesus died on the cross, he forgave me. He forgave you of all your sins before you were even formed into a thought. What do you think Jesus is going to, you think Jesus is going to show up every time somebody sin, every time you sin, he's going to get on the cross? I mean, get on the cross. I mean, he's he going he to have to just stay there just like that because people sinning all the time. I mean, whatever's not of faith is sin. That means when you walk in fear and you walk in worry, you've sinned. For to him to know to do good and they do it, if not, that's sin. What are we talking about? And like Brother Andrew said this morning, we just think, we just think about the big 10. No, man. No, that's not, that's not how this works. I am forgiven past, present, and future sins. I, God is not impute. Oh, my goodness. Can, 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 I, can I go another rabbit trail here? Let me show you the goodness of God here. Go to Romans chapter 4. Hallelujah. He begins to use two people just to show you that these guys were not perfect and look at what he did for them. He uses Abraham and David here. And by the way, do you know that most of the Bible was written by three murderers? <laughs> Moses, David, and the apostle of grace himself, Paul. So if you ever think you don't have a chance, look at them. You ain't killed anybody yet. Don't raise your hands. I don't want to know. All right, look at this. This is, this is, what, this is what did it for me. Romans chapter, chapter uh, 4. This is, man, when I got a hold of this, I walked outside. Wasn't nobody out there, and, and, I, and I made an announcement. I said, God, you just let everybody in heaven know that Creflo Dollar has received the gospel. I got, I got so excited. You know when you talk about almost too good to be true? That's what I was hit with. I said, this, this is too good to be true. You know, in most cases we were taught if it's too good to be true, then it's not. But in this case, it is. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Romans chapter 4, verse 1. Ooh, Jesus. I see this. Can I have this Charlie and Jill, Jill tape, Andrew? Okay. I saw it up here. It looked lonely, and I, and I asked. I apologize for that. Uh, all right, watch this. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to, to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified or declared righteous by works, he hath whereof the glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Well, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Well, how, did he be, how, how was he made righteous? He what? He believed God. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. Well, if I'm working for something, then it's no longer a, a, a gift. It, it's something now that someone's in debt to until they pay me for the work that I performed. Uh, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth or declares righteous the ungodly, his faith is counted for what? For righteousness. All right? Verse 6. Now, so he talked about Abraham. He says, but even David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. So God is imputing righteousness not based on a man's work. All right, verse 7 saying 
Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. How many of you know that's a blessing? That your iniquities are forgiven and your sins, we read last night, he remembers no more. All right, look at the second part of this blessing. And blessed is the man to whom the Lord, watch this, will not impute sin. He will not impute sin. There are two little small Greek words here. U, which means no with no condition, and me means no with condition. And what he says here is he will by no means never will it happen. He will by no means never will it happen. Impute sin upon the man who's been declared righteous by faith. Oh, I don't think y'all understand what I'm saying. He will by in no means, never will it happen. Oh, let me give you an illustration. Do they have a, like a Saks, uh, Saks Fifth Avenue store around here? All right, let, let's just say, let's just say, okay, I, I go to Saks and uh, I take the registration of everybody that came to this meeting. And uh, I go to Saks and I say, now these people are going to be coming by doing some shopping. I don't want them when they come and buy something, do not charge it to their account. No matter what they buy. How many of you know you're gonna love you some Creflo when you see him, right? All right. No matter, no matter what they buy, do not charge it to their account. And then I give them the master's card. And tell them to put everything on the master's card, but don't dare put anything on your account. Ooh, Jesus. You understand what I'm talking about? And so you go in there, man, and, 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 and by no means should they be putting anything to your account. And so when I show up, when I come to Arizona the next time, and you hear I'm coming, I mean, you're at the airport. Creflo, Creflo. <laughs> hey, brother, I know you're hungry, man. Come on, I'm buying food tonight, man. Hey, you ain't driving, man. Hey, look here, I don't know why you bought your suitcase, man. We got all your new clothes laid out down in the bedroom, brother. <laughs> Listen to me. Somebody asked me one time, they said, I don't believe. I said, what are you saying? Are you saying, and I'm gonna just say it straight. Dear God, I heard stupid five times this morning. Jamie was sitting there like, five. <laughs> Are you saying that I can sin and God won't charge it or hold it to my account? That's exactly what I'm saying. I was told in college that there was a real to real of all of my sins and when I get to heaven, God's gonna play the real to real and let everybody see the real to real of all of my sins. God ain't got no real or real. That's not what's on your account. If we open your account book of life up, that doesn't appear on your account. He will not know by any means impute sin to your account. But now let me tell you something. Somebody says, how can that happen? How is he able to do something like that? Oh, somebody had to pay for it. The reason why he won't impute sin to your account is because he's already imputed it on the body of his son, Jesus Christ. And for him to impute sin on your account would be to dishonor what his son has already done and he's not going to do that. I'm telling you, that's the goodness of God and we ought to give him praise for it, amen. That's God's goodness. He, he will not. He uses the same, those, those same two words, ooh me. He, he uses the same, those two words in Hebrew where he talks about he will not leave you nor forsake you. He won't do it. And you're walking right here like you got a book of all of your stuff that's going on and it's not, it's not being imputed unto you. 
Jesus has already paid the price. He's, listen, he bore everything that we should have bore. Everything that, should have, that we should have went through, all of the punishment that we deserved, the hell that we deserved, the pain that we deserved, he took it all on himself. Oh, glory to God. He took it all on himself. They whipped him with a cat of nine tails, pulled, pulled his flesh off of him. He didn't even look like a human being, deformed looking. It's hard to tell if it was a man. All for you. And when they were screaming, stay down, don't get up, when they were beating him up, man, he, and, he, and he kept getting up. Why in the world are you getting up? Stay down, stay down. No, I got to get up because I got to make sure I bear every ounce of punishment that's going to even be thought to come to you. I got to make sure I bear every ounce so that there is none left to dish out to you. I'm going to bear it all. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That's a good God. And I dare you go around and get up and say, oh, dear God, I don't believe you forgave my sins. So I just, I just need the Lord. Just, I, I'm coming to you every day. Forgive me for the sins that I don't even know I've committed yet. Man, if I wasn't under a covenant of temperance, I'd slap your jaws. <laughs> Look at what Jesus has done for us. Look at what he did for us. Yeah, but Brother Dollar, if you preach that, people are just going to go crazy in sin. No, you don't understand. When you realize that you have been forgiven of much, you're going to love much. And when you start believing right, you're going to start living right. I believe I'm the righteousness of God. Amen. Amen. By faith in Jesus Christ. And I have been forgiven. Past, present, future. And that will just make you praise God every time you think about it. You ought to find yourself walking around, oh God, I praise you. I mean, you look at that like, is that possible? Did you really do that? Did you do that for me? Yeah, I honor the blood of my son. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, let, let me show you something here. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise God. Oh, bless his holy name. <laughs> Look at Luke chapter five. His goodness is going to cause people to repent. If they know his goodness, we, we, we need to start talking about his goodness. Talk about how good God is, praise God. Not how bad he is, how good God is. God's not bad. Like I told you, he's not even in a bad mood, man. Well, Brother Dollar, would you pray for me? Well, most people ask for others to pray for them sometimes, not all the time, because they don't have confidence in their own prayers. Amen. Now, I want you to be able to pray and thank God. Amen. Now, look at this. Verse one. This is uh, the call of the first set of disciples. And, and man, this is really going to bless you. I'm going to show you within this how goodness calls Peter to change. It says, it came to pass that as uh, people pressed upon him, uh, that's uh, Luke chapter five, verse one. I keep going to this Bible and I got this wonderful scripture man in the back. I'm gonna go and use him. Yeah, boy. Think about it. You can sit up here and style while you read the Bible at the same time. Isn't that something? <laughs> and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. I mean, they have completed their day. How did they go? He says, and he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, 
and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. So here's Simon now allowing seed to be sown into Jesus's ministry when he allowed his ship to be used for Jesus to preach the gospel. Somebody, somebody say seed. seed. And when there's seed, there's going to be some harvest. All right, now watch this. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. Oh, that's good, Lord. Breakthrough doesn't just come from the word of God, but it comes when you get a word from God. In other words, what's the difference between one guy who's got the same scripture as the other guy? Well, he meditated in that word long enough to hear what the Holy Ghost had to say to him about it. And breakthrough will show up in your life, not when you find the scripture only, but when you spend enough time with the scripture to get a word from God. Breakthrough shows up in your life, man. Now I'm telling you, these instructions from the Holy Spirit is so important. It's so key for us to understand our relationship with the Holy Spirit and how he wants to lead and to guide us and Lord, what do I need to do? Show me my part in the finished works of Jesus being manifested in and upon my life. And I think it's important for us to really pay attention to the Spirit of God as he speaks to us and as he leads and he guides our life in every direction. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net without an S. Now watch this. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Now here's the first thing I'm speaking over your life for this upcoming year. Net breaking harvest. I declare as a result of your trust in this new covenant and your praise and thanksgiving for what Jesus has done, I thank God with you for net breaking harvest. All right. And they beckoned unto their partners. They beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. I mean, the harvest that I just spoke about is going to be so much, you're going to always be in a position to partner with somebody else. It's going to be so much, amen? And they came and they filled both the ships so that they began to sink. I thank my God in heaven that you not only will experience net breaking harvest, but I thank God you're experiencing boat sinking harvest where you're going to have to get, you're going to have to get new containers, praise God. I prophesy the wagons are coming. And they're going to be pressed down, praise God. Now watch this. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down that, he felt, now notice, when he saw it, I mean, you imagine, he must, he must be, he must be in just, just awesome reverence at what he just saw. Fear and trembling even for what he just experienced. In awe, in a reverence, in fear and trembling because of the goodness of God. The goodness of God that filled the net. The goodness of God. Imagine what would have happened if he did what he told him, he launched out the nets. The goodness of God that filled the boats. The goodness of God that says all of my self-effort and all of my professionalism concerning a fisherman, and I, I taught all day and hadn't caught anything. This is, this is God, this is God, this is God. Listen, when you know it's God, you won't be boasting. When you know it's grace, you ain't got nowhere to boast. You're just gonna be thanking God and praising God. When you're under the law, you're gonna find reason to boast. When it was of the flesh, you're gonna find reason to boast. But when it's not according to your performance, you won't be boasting. And I'm talking about things happening that you didn't in your own effort make happen. 
that things happening not because of who you were or the education you obtained and what you did. I am prophesying a, an abundance of undeserved favor. Amen. An abundance. I am speaking over you. I'm literally releasing blessings over you right now. I am releasing blessings. I am declaring that you walk in an abundance of undeserved favor. And when you find yourself in position saying, well, I don't deserve that. Well, praise God, you qualify. You qualify. Well, I, I'm not prepared for that. You qualify. God Almighty is going to blow the minds of sinners and they're going to want to know our Jesus when they see you experience this abundance of undeserved favor. Now you say out loud, I receive an abundance of undeserved favor. See, it's already been given. As Christians, we have a problem receiving sometimes. We gotta learn how to receive. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you say something and go, hey, I don't know, well, I'm gonna have you say it anyway. Say this out, out loud with me. I'll never be broke. I'll never be broke. Another, day Another day in my life. Say out loud, my broke days are over with forever. I'll not be broken any area of my life because God is good. Not because I'm good, but because he's good. And I receive his goodness. Yeah, I receive it. All right. All right, next verse. He was astonished. Look at there. And all that were with him at the drought of the fishes, which they had taken. And look at this. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. The goodness of God took him from catching fish Look at that repentance, to catching men. God's getting ready to change some lives, man. And watch how he's gonna do it, through the advertising of his goodness in your life. Now he's gonna be, listen, I, I, I don't want you to misunderstand me. Notice, he's not gonna just be good to you because you're Christians. The Bible says he came to save the whole world. They just hadn't received it yet. But God is gonna demonstrate that goodness through us and then show that goodness in, the, in, the, in, in other people. And you're gonna be able to explain them. That's God's goodness right there. That's God's good. Well, I had this awful record, I didn't die. That's God's goodness right there. Well, I don't know why they didn't put me out and I don't know why this money came in. That's God's goodness right there. Let's begin to help to testify about the goodness of God. And, and, and you know, and, and I, guess it's, I guess it's what Andrew was talking about this morning. Gotta make sure we don't have that controlling spirit, sometimes as even Christians. Sometimes as Christians we'll think, well, you know what, I'm not gonna say this, because if I say this, you know, I understand it, but they don't understand it. And if I say this, then just, they're just gonna go sin no more. I heard a story about this uh, uh, guy who was in this, a friend of mine's church, and he had a problem smoking weed. And so he gave him some advice. Some people had problems with it, but it worked. He says, all right. He said, you believe you're the righteousness of God? He says, yes, sir, pastor, I got born again. I believe I'm the righteousness of God. He says, all right. Every time you get an urge to smoke weed, he says, I just want you to open your mouth up and declare I'm the righteousness of God. So the guy got ready, you know, he had an urge to smoke weed. He said, I'm the righteousness of God. Then he went and he got the papers. He said, I'm the righteousness of God. Then he put the weed in the paper and he rolled it up. He said, I'm the righteousness of God. Now I know some of you thinking, well, that don't look real righteous. Well, just hold on a minute, hoss. <laughs> then he folded the paper and then he took a lighter and then he lit the paper and he says, I'm the righteousness of God. 
Then he took a smoke and he said, mm. and now the new creation in him is like, man, I don't feel like it used to feel. He said, man, I'm the righteousness of God. Hadn't had any problems with it anymore. Why? Instead of that pastor condemning his behavior, he started talking to him about who he was and, 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 and what happened to him and as he was transformed out of darkness into the marvelous light. And he believed he was the righteousness of God and right believing led him to right behaving. When you believe right, you're going to do right. I said, when you believe right, you're going to do right. Christianity was never supposed to be about right doing. Christianity was supposed to be about right believing. And when you believe right, you're going to do right. Christianity was never supposed to be uh, another thing where we're fulfilling rituals and laws. It, it was never supposed to be based on performance and, and self-effort. It was supposed to be about uh, a father and his sons and daughters. But we got to start believing right. And when we believe right, we're going to do right. But here's the, here's the alarm I hope went off in you this weekend. Well, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Here's what I hope went off in you. Look at America. The place that thinks that we got it all together where God's concerned. We got the gospel. And now I'm beginning to wonder, oh my goodness, very few churches got it. But you know what, you know what I've noticed over the last couple of years, especially the last two years? They're getting it. They're getting it. Preachers are supernaturally having an encounter with God. My encounter with, with, with God was I was, I, was, I was looking around and there was, you know, we were using our faith to try to get God to do what he, what he had already done. And I started noticing it, things aren't working. People are dying and I know good and well, she, she made her confessions every day. I said, Lord, something's something missing, something, something ain't right. It got to bother me. I said, something is not right. Or I'd go somewhere and I'd preach on a subject like deliverance from debt and come back around the same church and I'd find they're right back in the same debt they were in when I started. I'm thinking, this could get exhausting. <laughs> I said, Lord, help me. And the Lord said this to me. He, said, he asked me a question. He said, are you willing to become a student of grace? I didn't know what that was, a student of what? Student of grace? Okay, well, I knew what grace was. In fact, I, I, I'd written books where I, in those books I had mentioned some of the stuff I'm preaching now. And I was like, wow. So back then you knew I'd finally get it. <laughs> it was coming out in spurts. And I said, okay, well, I guess I'll just start off with student now and, and, and grace. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to look up all the scriptures in the Bible with grace, unmerited favor, and then I'm going to become a student of grace. Then I'm going to go to the bookstore and I'm going to get every book I see on grace. You know, I didn't even know the grace people were having to fight with the faith people until I started doing it. And then I was like, wow. I was like, I didn't know that was taking place. And then I didn't know there, you know, some, you know, grace here and some that. And I'm thinking like, oh my goodness, what's going on? And then I ran across this guy that would sit in this chair and just would be calm and cool and collected. And I said, well, let me, he, he's, got, he's got all kinds of materials. And I'm like, I done found a gold mine here. Let me just get all his material. And I had collected a whole bunch of stuff on grace. Then I started the process of elimination of the different authors and books. And I'm thinking, well, this guy, he sounds like he's confused. I mean, put those. <laughs> this guy right here, ah, that ain't right. I know that, you know. 
And the thing that really got me was spirit, soul, and body. It's mandatory in our Bible school. You have to go through that. You have to go through, you don't even, you don't graduate. I don't care if you made an A in everything. You flunk spirit, soul, and body, you ain't going nowhere. And that's when it all clicked. Then I had a chance to go back and look at some of my old notes and I, I could see places. I said, oh God, that's when you were dealing with me on that there. Oh, that's when you were dealing with me on this there. That's what, and I remember teaching a six week series on grace, remember that? My whole church looked at me like you lost your mind. <laughs> that was before he asked me to be a student of grace. So I thought, well, maybe I need to leave that alone because we had just finished uh, the dome and it had, we had 8,500 8, seats. We could put 10,000 in there. And at that time, I thought, well, dear God, I'm preaching this and they're looking at me like I'm crazy. I don't, I don't think I need to be preaching something that's going to run people away. We need to make sure this dome stays full. Now, we build the dome debt free. <laughs> But I'm thinking like, oh, you know. And, and I thought, well, man, I had heard from God. I know I had heard from God. You know, now I know I heard from God. But when I did that series, I'm thinking, man, some, I must. So I backed off that sucker, backed it off. Man, when I read that, he let me know I was all right. He let me know I wasn't nothing wrong with me. I was all right. I had it right. And I started noticing. God told me, he says, now, do never cease to be a student of grace. Don't come to the point where you think, well, I know I got, don't ever stop being a student of grace. And I said, well, Lord, why me? Seemed like you got, you got enough people out there doing that. He said, son, where you been? He said, are you willing to remain a student of grace for the rest of your life? I said, yes, sir, I am. He says, well, I'm going to give you the assignment for the rest of your life. Amen. And he says, there'll come a time where I'll connect you with other men of grace. My life hadn't been the same since. And I promised God I'd preach it until Jesus comes. And <laughs> Joseph Prince called me and, and, and encouraged me. He said, now, there are gonna be lots of things that happen as a result of your acceptance to do this. He said, but don't worry about it. It'll be the devil that'll just come to you, try to get you to change your mind where that's concerned. And I'll never forget it. I mean, I had a year, I thought, dear God, what in the world did I do? I mean, 2012 was a year from hell. But at the end of it, I could now stand up and say, his grace is sufficient for me. I had to know that. I had to know that no matter what happened, no matter what I went through, no matter who came against me, that his grace was enough. And so when you see me crying and hollering and screaming and jumping around, I, it's real. I'm not performing. I am genuinely stirred up about what God has done in this new covenant. And I am so, so honored to be able to have the opportunity to come and preach it to you. And I declare the grace revolution has begun. It has begun. God's goodness is over our lives. And I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not, I'm, I don't fear what men say about me. God prepared me for all that. Everything I've gone through, 
in those first 33 years was God preparing me. So you can talk about me. I've been talked about. That don't bother me. You can write ugly things about me in your book. I don't care. I don't read your book anyway. You can pick at the church. Ah, it don't bother me. It just lets me know I must be doing something right. Kind of bothers me when I don't have nobody picketing. Praise God. When I see picketers, I say, praise God. And then we go send somebody to go witness to them while they picketing. <laughs> Amen. Man, I'm in this. God's been good to me. God's been good to you. Let him have your life. Don't let this be a, a, a one-time event. Don't live from event to event. Let him have every part of you. And when it's all over with and, and we're finally in heaven with one another and grace comes and puts his hands around us and, and says, thank you. <laughs> we'll just be all excited. I'm going to ask them, hey, where, where are the flying lessons? <laughs> what are you talking about? Man, I've been trying to do Superman ever since I've been on the earth, man. Where are the flying lessons? I'm on the fly. I've dreamed about it all my life, just flying and then putting that arm up front, wham, just taking off. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to buzz your tower, praise the Lord. Just come around in there. Now, you sitting up there talking about, well, I don't think God's going to have that in heaven. You think what you want to think? I'll think what I want to think, all right? I'm going to do me some flying, praise God. And I'm going to have me plenty of apple pie. Amen. Thank you so much once again for allowing Taffy and I. And Taffy, would you stand up? This is my, I'm so glad she came with me today. Would you stand up? I'm so glad she came with me today. We are. We are ready to go. And uh, what a blessing this has been. And uh, I'm out. This is a, this is a, a hallmark of my life. And uh, Jamie and Andrew, thank you so much for having us, believing in us. We love you and we appreciate you. God bless you. I'm done. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111, or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.